0: Beloved, congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, hear the word of God. I've been interested recently in hope because of this particular passage and the hope that builds up there in verse 13. We can read that together. Just that verse 13, the God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Hope is an interesting thing. Help to explore it a little bit this morning. I just watched this documentary and have seen some other stuff and read some stuff over the course of maybe the past couple months on a soccer team, a young soccer team, made up of boys between 11 and I think 14 or something like that in, in uh, Thailand up by Chiang Rai that after a soccer practice back in 2018, you might remember that, that's almost five years ago, which is basically ancient history. Uh, didn't happen in the last five minutes, who cares, right? But anyway, it did happen almost five years ago. And this soccer team, there were 12 boys, and then the coach, after a soccer practice, went down into this, this vast cave system where they'd play they played there all the time. But in the monsoon season, that, those caves flood out. And as the, as the team of 12 was down there, uh, two and a half miles from the cave entrance in this enormous, vast cave system. Uh, the rain started to come, and it started to flood. The waters poured into that cave, and suddenly they were trapped. They were trapped in this cave with the water, unable to leave in the darkness of a cave two and a half miles underground from the cave opening. Twelve boys, one man. What terror. What horror. Think of it. Think of that kind of situation where you're trapped in the darkness I mean, you think of being an adult trapped in the darkness with 12 boys, which has its own layers of horror. But even the boys themselves, nobody in there, nobody in there is feeling good about the situation that they're in. It's a hopeless situation. What do you think? You're so deep into this place, people don't even know where you are. They found the bikes at the cave entrance, so the boys must be in there, huh? And 10 days later, 10 days later in the darkness, lights popped up in the water. And there were two guys that had swum through these caves, these miles of the water and caves, and pop up, and they said they could smell them before they could see them or hear them. But the lights pop up, and can you imagine that light? Can you imagine sitting there for ten days, and then suddenly lights come out of the water, and there are two men saying, here we are, and here you are. We found you. Well, that's just the beginning of the entire problem of getting them out of there. But after ten days, brothers and sisters, they were found. Light emerging in a dark place. A glimmer of something glorious to come. When those lights came up in the water, do you think hope sprung to their hearts? Do you think they felt differently having seen those lights come out of that murky, and nasty water? You better believe they did. Hope is important. Hope is something that humans are just bound up with. We can't help but be hopeful, and we can't help but despair at the same time and we'll consider that in just a moment, but I want you to think of darkness and despair and the horrors of that cave situation and the great glory of just a little bit of light popping into that darkness. Human hope. Humans are insatiable when it comes to hope. We have a penchant for hoping. We want to we want to hope even in hope, we want to look forward to something, because without that we die on the vine. Human hope can take the form of simple wishful thinking, just kind of, well, this would be nice if this happened, with no basis for thinking it's going to happen at all, and no basis for making it happen, just kind of wishful thinking. Human hope can be rooted in delusion, sheer delusion, just not understanding what's going on at all, and therefore being quite positive and looking forward, hopefully. By the way, hope is a forward-looking reality. In case that's a word that's not quite clear. Hope is trusting in something and looking forward to it's fulfillment, looking forward to it happening. So we talk about faith and hope, and we talk about faith, hope, and love. But faith and hope are tied together very tightly. Because faith rests on a testimony, receives something, rests in a, a word, a, a promise. And hope is what comes out of that. Hope is what builds out of faith. So humans have this wishful thinking, delusion, or maybe even a spark sometimes. It's a rough time in life. And you just need a little spark, a little energy to get over the hump, to get over the problem, to get past the trial, and get back to normal stuff. Everybody needs that sort of thing. We don't really want delusions. We don't really want wishful thinking. A spark of hope to get through things is very nice. But we need more than that. Because the problem is, we kid ourselves. We lie to ourselves so that we can have hope in the moment, even though the hope is unfounded. And that you can see with the wishful thinking and the delusions in particular. Hopelessness, Christians, a real sense of hopelessness. No hope. Nothing in the future. Nothing in me to look forward to. Nothing for me to grab onto. That hopelessness is like rot to the soul. It's like death. God has come. In fact, he's called here the God of hope. There's something for us in this hope, and it's not wishful thinking, it's not a delusion, it's understanding God's very, who God is, and what he's done, and the promises that he's made, that we can rest in him, and have true and abiding hope. Hopelessness, and the death of rot, or the the death rot that goes with it, is something, I think, that infests plenty of people. Christians included, but certainly out in the world, because at a certain point you If everything means nothing, then you mean nothing. If everything's going nowhere, then you're going nowhere. And pretty soon, that rots out the soul. It's hard for people without—it's exceedingly hard for people without hope to move forward. And I think a lot of our friends in the world, a lot of our friends even in the church, are find themselves right there, hopeless, without something to look forward to, without something to rest in that's going to occur that they can—they can believe and look forward to. So hope is needed. Hope is needed. Hope that doesn't disappoint. Now, we live in a fallen world. All the things we rest on, all the things that we do and and, and pull together in this world fall apart. That goes from relationships. Relationships don't stay the same. Through the years, people change. Relationships move. People die. You'll die. Right. Everything's going to change that way. So we need something that's constant and, and rooted, not something that's transient and fallen. We need hope that doesn't disappoint. and Therefore, we need hope that's beyond this fallen world. We need hope that's rooted in something beyond the fallen world that we exist in because the fallen world won't give us enough foundation to actually have hope as humans beyond just the mundane and the temporal, the things of this life, but no true hope. Hope that doesn't disappoint is hope that is eternal. And sometimes... Sometimes that light in the dark means rescue and gives hope. And the gospel, Christian, the gospel, the preaching of, the declaration of Jesus Christ and his crowned rights as the King of Kings, as the Lord of Lords and the ruler of the kings of earth, that declaration is like that light shining up into that cave. It's the light of hope. It gives people something now they can grab onto and look forward to because Jesus Christ is theirs Jesus Christ belongs to you by faith, and you to Him. And that is true hope. So hope is like that light in a dark place. Hope that springs from the eternal, unchanging fount of the true and living God. And that's what I want to declare to you this morning. So look at the text that we have in front of us, and see that it indeed it is light in a dark place. This world is a dark place. It's full of wickedness. It's full of wicked people. It's full of sorrow. It's full of... Even people who are seeking good things finally don't get good. This world's a hard and dark place. Christ has come to redeem it with the light of hope. The light of the gospel. For God Himself is the God of peace. and the God of hope. Verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. The God of hope. So clearly the idea of, a, of a encouragement... A forward-looking encouragement is something that God gives. It's not quite something that God shares with us or has the same way we do. God doesn't need cheering up. Right? God doesn't need to, uh, to be hopeful or else He's going to die in the vine like us. He, he is the God of hope because He gives it. Right? He, he is hope and He gives it to us. We hope in the unchanging, eternal God. He is the God of hope because He ministers that to His people. And indeed gives it generally, I think, to the whole world in little ways, but gives it to us in Jesus Christ in an eternal and significant way. So God is the God of hope. He is the one who gives hope. So Christian, do you find that you need more hope? You could do it with a fuller measure of these things. Then ask. God knows how to give good gifts. He knows how to give His Spirit without reproach to those who ask. He doesn't give a scorpion when we ask for an egg uh, and so on. He knows how to give good gifts. Ask, Christian. Put it on your list. Put it on your prayer list. Seek the Lord that you would have hope. And these other attributes that we see full from it in this text as well. God is the God of hope who fills. Who fills you, He says. Now, what's a filling? Now, I can think of that cave filling with water. Now, there are there's you know trails that run through the cave and then bigger areas, so it's not like every aspect of it was filled up. But now, when the water started coming in and started coming up like 50 centimeters every half hour or something like that, at a certain points, like yeah, this thing's filling up, it's going to get full. Well, God says here, He's the God of hope that fills you. He fills you. He 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 brings this to you and, and tops you off. Now, not everyone has the same, I think, intensity and level of these attributes that we're talking about, from hope to uh, joy, also in peace. But let me just continually encourage you. Seek the Lord. Ask for these things. God, give me hope. Give me joy. Give me peace in Christ Jesus by the power of your spirit as we go. God is the one who gives and he fills. The scriptures say, James says, he gives to all liberally, as freely, without reproach. So does God who fills. He fills us with all not some right, in the text. All joy. All peace. He fills us with all joy and peace. You can see this is this is language that wants to shoot very high. Not anything, yeah, you know, he gives us a trickle of, of hope here, a little bit of joy, a little bit of peace. And sometimes we are that way. We don't have much joy. We don't have much peace. And therefore, we don't have much hope. But God says, fills us with this. He is the God of hope who fills us with all joy and peace. When you think of the word joy, what comes to mind? Probably happy feelings, gladness, maybe frivolity, something along those lines. How about we think of joy as gladness and cheer without perversion and excess. Gladness and cheer, these happy things of life without perversion, without excess, right? a holy joy. And God is full of holy joy, and he fills us with all of it here. So joy is one thing. I think that's a kind of bubbly, happy gladness. But peace, on the other hand, you might think of peace as merely a cessation of war or a cessation of conflict, You know, bringing peace and making sure that the, you know, the, the arguments and the fighting dies down, true enough. But the word peace in the scripture, and particularly as it connects to the Old Testament, shalom, the word shalom, doesn't mean just a cessation of uh, antagonism. It means a wholeness and a health in life. Peace or shalom is a fully integrated, well-balanced, satisfactory, satisfying life, a healthy life. So peace, not just a lack of conflict, but wholeness and healthiness in life. And so when the grace and peace is often a greeting and a blessing to the people of God, the grace of God, his kindness, his undeserved goodness to us, and peace, the effect of that of the wholeness of our lives being brought into conformity with him. Being brought into relationship, right relationship with God and with each other. Having a life that is well organized and satisfying, not just to our fleshly appetites, but before God. God is our satisfaction. And so therefore, rightly relating to God is satisfying. I think it's John Piper who says that God is glorified in us, something along these lines, as we are satisfied in Him. God is our satisfaction. He is our joy, therefore He gives us all joy. He is our peace, our integration, our wholeness, our health, in the largest sense, is, is in God. He gives these gifts to us. How does he give them, though? Let's read that, those words again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. In believing. All of this, dear brother, dear sister, all of this has to do with you believing, resting in Jesus Christ, trusting Christ, taking Christ at His Word, taking all the promises of God and saying they're yea and amen in Christ Jesus, and He's mine. And I'm His. And by saying all of them are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, this is what we mean. Jesus Christ was born. He lived a glorious, perfect life obeying the law of God. And was murdered on the cross. He went through a kangaroo court in the middle of the night. And was sentenced to death and was put to death on a Roman cross. He died and was buried. And on the third day, He rose again from the dead. Never to be conquered by death again. Victory over death victory over Satan and then return to his father's right hand and then to pour out the Spirit to build his church. And here we are. And he will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the good news. That is the very basis of our faith. We rest on Christ and his work. We often talk about the person and work of Christ. The person is who Jesus is. The God-man. Truly God. Truly man. One person forever. But his work is giving himself up to death for his enemies. That he should make us his friends. Indeed, his very family. That's the good news. We have all joy and all peace in believing. Which is to say, in Christ Jesus. That's where all the joy is. That's where all the benefits of God are for us. Through that life-giving flesh and blood of the God-man who came and gave himself for us. And whom God raised up on the third day. We have, Christian, every basis for joy and for peace in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Indeed, the the finished work in the declaration of it is light in a dark place. It's the light of God saying, I have eternal life. And he's calling you to it. Come and get it. Don't despise Christ. Don't despise the gospel. Don't be so attracted to the world that you want those things out there come to Christ and die just like he has died and be raised to the newness of life with him and he gives you yourself and the whole world back but we have to at the first step be willing to deny ourselves and say it's not about me I'm a wicked sinner
1: I have nothing to offer
0: it's about Christ the savior of the world and my savior and Christ like Bonhoeffer said bids come and die and when you die the son of God raises you back up and newness of life with all joy, with all peace, because it's all in Him. He has done it all, Christians, your Savior and your Lord, Jesus, the Christ of God. So we have a believing hope. Our hope, our hope what we're looking forward to, and the promises of God we rest on, looking forward, are all resting on the work of Jesus Christ, the finished work of His cross and His empty tomb and His resurrection, I mean, His ascension, I mean. And we wait for the very end of it for him to come and bring it all back together. That is the light in a dark place. But notice the next word. So there's, it seems like there's, there's filling and there's all joy and all peace. It's kind of up, up on top, but it just keeps going. Look at the rest of the verse. So that, we have the purpose here, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Okay, we have more of this language. Abounding in hope. Like hope over the top. I hope that it's like you can't hardly get your mind wrapped around it let alone put your words to it that Jesus Christ has said if you're mine I go to prepare a place for you I would have told you if it wasn't like this but I go to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back and get you and where I am and you will be there always your heart should sing and say yes yes that's what I want I want to be with him and in the meantime we're in him by faith not by sight but we have the hope of the resurrection and the reign of Christ that we look forward to We have an abounding hope. Indeed, that's the purpose of the God of hope here, who fills us by His Spirit with all abounding hope. Flip back to Romans chapter 5. There are a number of of passages in Romans that deal with hope. I want to just pick a couple of them, kind of pull false thinking together just a little bit here. But back to Romans chapter 5, first few verses. And the hope, and hope does not put us to shame. It does not disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who, uh, who has been given to us. We see a number of themes here that are similar to our own, which is this work of God is giving, giving hope, and it's by His Spirit that He gives it. All the, all the connection to Christ we have in faith is Filled out by the work of the Holy Spirit, we're connected by Christ to Christ Jesus by the work of the Spirit, and all all the blessings, all the benefits of Christ are given to us through the work of that Holy Spirit as well, including hope. Now he says there's this gift of hope, but it's contrasted to what? What happens after the hope here? Trials, right? Hope works when it's hard, but right? hope doesn't really work when it's not hard. We're reading G.K. Chesterton on this, where he talks about these faith, hope, and love all as um, uh, all as mysteries that work in strange ways. And he says, you know, the only time hope is actually hope and works as hope is when it's hopeless. Right? When a situation is such that there is no hope, that's when hope is powerful. That's when it comes in and, and, and does its job of moving us forward and lifting our heads. It comes in trials. And he says, trials produce endurance, endurance. Produces hope, And what about hope? It doesn't disappoint. Because the love of God is poured out into our hearts. There's a baptismal reference by the Holy Spirit. Right? We're baptized into Jesus Christ. His love is poured out into us. Therefore, we have hope. We can endure. We can deal with the trials. Because we have the promises of Jesus leading us forward in front of our eyes. And hope like that does not disappoint. For the Holy Spirit who guides us in Christ. Flip we'll over a couple of chapters to chapter eight. And I'll mention that we're going to start reading verse 18 as a kind of theological side note. I want to mention that when I come across passages when I'm reading in the context of worship or education hour or preaching that are distinctively future and unfulfilled, I'm going to point them out to you. Okay? Every one of them. And the reason I'm going to do that is because. I'm a preterist, which means I think a lot of the, the prophecies have been fulfilled in the first century, but there is a problem going on with full preterism, which is to say every prophecy was fulfilled in the first century, and that's a problem. Uh, that's a real problem, actually. And there, there are a number of things about that. So, because a lot of the things we're looking at texts that you might have thought coming up or whatever, oh, that, that all refers to the distant future or whenever this that goes on, and I come and say, no, 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 that applied to that century, to the, to the people that read this thing in that first century and fulfilled then. We want to make sure that we know which scripture texts talk about first century fulfillment, which scripture texts talk about the end of time fulfillment, and maybe which texts talk about both at the same time. So I want to make sure that I mentioned that to you. So this passage here from Romans chapter eight is one of those passages where we're, this is something we're looking forward to, and it's obvious that we're looking forward to it still. Right? It's not just they're looking forward to eighty seventy and saying, okay, you know. Uh, All these things are going to occur in and around AD 70 is not the case. So that's kind of a labored uh, introduction to this passage. But I want to labor it because it's important. And it's important not only just generally, it's important in reform circles right now. There's a controversy going on out there in the webs and whatnot, the interwebs uh, around people who are, some of them particularly, uh, that have benefited from an enormous amount. But I don't want to lead you astray. I want you to understand the difference between fulfilled prophecy in the first century and yet to be fulfilled prophecy even for us. And this is one of those. So enough of the introduction. Verse 18. Now back to the hope. We're we're back on the hope uh, topic. Verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself would be set free from the bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only have, not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For it is for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We wait for it with patience. That's part of hoping, isn't it? Waiting with patience. But notice the other things in here as far as the revealing of the glory of God as part of our hope. We're looking forward to that, Christian. We're looking forward to the glory of God that, you know, if you maybe walk into a beautiful church, and this is a beautiful little sanctuary, but there are other ones that are grander, and you walk in, and like your knees get weak, from the beauty and this, the, the amazing architecture. Think of something like that in your human experience, or a sunset, or something just like, wow, what terrific glory and beauty, as paling into utter insignificance, into nothing, before the glory of God revealed where we will all be amazed forever at our God. We see through a a glass darkly right now. We hardly even perceive the glory of God. But Christian, here's the hope, that our bodies will be redeemed, and in that redemption, we will see the glory of the eternal God. And we're saved with that hope. Now let me ask you, are your bodies yet redeemed? Have you experienced the resurrection of the body? I should think you have not. Many of you are like, yep, nope, the knee still hurts. That thing's still going on. My back's still messed up. You bet. Those are trials that we have in this body, in this time, in the resurrection, not so. Has the creation stopped groaning? Is it now the creation working perfectly, not under the curse anymore? No. Those things have yet to come. These, These are our hopes as Christians. We're looking forward to these things. God has said they shall come to pass. So, here we have an issue where the God of hope, the God of hope is going to fill us with all joy, with all peace and believing. And he wants us to abound in hope. And just a couple things we've talked about, just from these couple little passages. There's a lot there to hope. There's a lot there to look forward to and get excited about. And here's the deal, Christian. It's all yours through Christ Jesus. All gifts, all free gifts through Christ's sake. This is your salvation. This is your gift. This is your eternal life in Christ Jesus. And remember, abounding hope is not fledgling hope. Abounding hope is not a trickle. Abounding hope is something great indeed. Abundance, Christian, is not famine. You have a God of hope who gives you an abundance of hope in your life. And that, Christian, if you can see it, if you can open your eyes by the Spirit of God, the power of God in you, that's what's going on here in the text too, then I think things like depression, and things like despondency, and things like despair, and things like the horrors that we feel when we're scared, all those things kind of come into a different light. Because we have the God of hope, who says you must abound in hope through Christ Jesus. You have so much to look forward to. You have such an inheritance coming. Now here's the trick. Seeing that. Believing that. Rejoicing in it. Being excited about what that is. As opposed to just being excited by the mundane. The things we have. A new device. A new pair of shoes. A haircut. Whatever. And these things are great. Great for new devices and shoes and haircuts. But they aren't your eternal inheritance. Laid up for you in Christ Jesus. For you to abound in hope as a believer. And if you abound in hope... You're something different in this world than the darkness and the despair and the false hopes and the delusions that are out there. You see how that works? You stand out like that light in a dark place when you have hope. Even when you can look around at the political situation or some, in, in some tragedy down here in Nashville, for instance, if you can have hope in those situations, you're like a bright light standing in the darkness. The Spirit of God shining in you for others to see. And as Peter says, they're going to ask about the reason for the hope that's in you. First Peter 3, go read it. And you should be ready to give an answer. And it's not because, you know, i just got a good disposition. I have a sunny disposition and things just work out well for me. Uh, it's not a reason for the hope that's in you. Maybe God's given you a sunny disposition. Maybe he hasn't. Either way, your faith is rooted in Christ, who's been raised from the dead. And has promised these things to us. And you have this basis of abounding hope that should shine for everyone to see and say, what's going on with that one? Why is he so hopeful? Why is he so, not just cheery and bubbly and make everyone day terrible because they're not cheery and bubbly. Not that sort of thing. But a deep and abiding peace, fullness, connectedness, a joy, a gladness in God. Apart from excess and say, this is the Christian life. This is how we're to live before our unbelieving neighbors. And indeed, it is evangelistic. Can you see how that is? Someone who's trapped in a world of darkness, without hope. All the hope is just these little glimmers of things for the next You know, They don't live in a world of hope. They just kind of make it up and go day to day. And then someone walks into their life who has real hope in the future. Real hope for eternity. Founded on the unchanging nature of God through the work of Jesus Christ. If they weren't dead in sin, they wouldn't stand a chance. They wouldn't stand a chance against that kind of hope. The problem is, of course, they're dead in sin. And it's only God who gives that life. Just the same as it's only God who gives the hope. So therefore, Christian, let us ask. Let us continue to ask for this hope. And the fullness of joy, the fullness of peace that God has for us in Christ Jesus in believing. And as we seek it, so let our light shine. Christian, let your light shine. Be hopeful. Be hopeful. Be full of grace. And see what the Lord does. See what kind of conversation the Lord opens in your life where you can testify to the Lord Jesus Christ just simply because you have hope. You have the light of hope in a dark place. And people, by nature, even their fallen nature, want that hope. Look for it. Wish they had a basis for it. But Christians, they don't. But you do. And you have a basis to offer to somebody else too. Hey, I'm hopeful not because I'm great or I'm perfect. I'm not. But I'm in Jesus Christ. I belong to him, and he belongs to me, and he keeps me forever. And he'll raise me up at the last day. He told me he would. That's why I'm excited. That's why I'm hopeful. Come to Jesus Christ. Right? A hope is a, is a it's like a gap in a tank to evangelism. Because we're going somewhere, and we're excited about it. And even on a natural level, when you get tucked around people who are going somewhere and excited about it, it's pretty easy to hop in and be excited, too. Which, of course, is what conversion is, but... You know, they come and see us being excited about the Lord and having hope. That's not a bad thing. And it's a good thing if they ask for the reason, and God uses that to open their minds.
1: And, of course, the last thing
0: here in this passage, back to chapter 15. It's the most important thing for us to end on. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound. In hope. Now the English here in the ESV has the word order mixed up, so it works better in English. But the, the the thought ends on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where this thought in this verse ends. It isn't that it, Christian. Isn't that it for you as well? Has God raised you up out of death? That's God, the Holy Spirit, and His power at work in you. You didn't do it yourself. You didn't give yourself a new life. You didn't crawl out of the depths of the of the miry pit yourself. God takes us out and puts our foot upon the rock. He does. It. He is the Savior. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it is the power of the Holy Spirit in your testimony. If you're hopeful and you're in Christ Jesus and you're excited about where you're going, that's, the, that's, that's something in the hands as it were of the Holy Spirit to use. But it is the Spirit who must do it. So God, the Holy Spirit, must give us these gifts as his people. Because remember, even the disciples back there in John 15, Jesus says, Without me, you can do all kinds of stuff. Without me, he says, to his disciples, you can do nothing. And nothing is not a little something. We must rely on God. He must do the work. It is God, the Holy Spirit, who works in us to call us, to give us these gifts. And it's God, the Holy Spirit, who uses us, the light of our hope, the gospel that we speak, to draw people out of darkness into the kingdom. So it is the power of the Spirit that we must see. Now, as we bring it together... And we must pray for her again. That's another thing that kind of theme here for this sermon. Pray. Seek God's grace. Seek His hope. Seek His joy. Seek His peace. And seek that ministry of hope. That those who see you might ask and say, What's going on with you? There's something there's something nice about you I like. And you say, Oh, good, I got it. It's not you. It's the Spirit of God at work in you. And acknowledge that. And speak that way. It's not about you. It's not about how nice you are and how well-dressed you are and how much you got things together. We're sinners saved by grace, and that's our testimony, and that's our joy. And Christian, that's our hope. And so let it be our hope out of our mouths and out of our fingertips as well. So then, as far as hopelessness, the world in darkness, and our light in that darkness, take yourself back to that cave, that long, deep cave, and these 12 young boys, 11 to... 16, maybe, and that one man trapped in there, the hopelessness of the dark, and then the lights popped up. And in their hearts, hope was kindled. There's hope now. It's not just 10 days down here in the darkness without any food or anything else. Suddenly there's hope. And just like those boys, and if you go and figure out what they did, it's mind point from that point how they got them out of there. Um, I'll leave you to explore that with, uh, with appreciation. But that light was just it was a spark of hope. But they had a lot of struggles to go through still. A lot of things they had to do to get those boys out of that cave. But that light came and gave them the hope of that deliverance. It's the same for us. The light has come. The gospel is here. Jesus Christ is crucified. He was raised from the dead. He rules over all the nations of the world. There's the light. Now we have all the rest of the struggle until we finally get home. But we do that struggle. We participate in it, in hope. Because God has promised us good things in Christ Jesus. He's promised us salvation. He's promised us eternal life. He's promised us that we'll be with Him. Oh, Christian, let your heart rejoice in it. Let your hope be kindled, so that you can put one foot ahead of the other and continue on this journey. We can do it together until we go home. We can struggle together. We can hope together. And if your hope's low, come to me and I'll help you out. If my hope's low, I'll come to you and you can help me out. Knowing that this is the God of hope who ministers these things, who fills us with all joy and peace and believing that we should abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.